From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 429. Today's show is brought to you by Text Expander, Clean My Mac X, and Doppler. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Jason Snell. Hi, Jason Snell. Hi, Mike Hurley. How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm pretty good. I have a hashtag Snell Talk question for you. Oh, good. Good. Excellent. Comes from Ian, who wants to know, Jason, do you have a favorite smell? Hmm. Interesting. Send in your Snell Talk questions, everybody. We're this running, is Smell Talk. <laughs> we're running low. Right? I know. It's Smell Talk. It is. That's what it is now. Were you, were you called Jason Smell in school? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's, it's very much that, oh, I haven't heard that one before. Yeah. yeah. I was going to make a joke here and say, well, sure, it's Lauren, um, but you really don't make me pick, pick between my kids. And, oh, you said smell. I see. Oh, oh that's it's good. It's totally different. But um, the answer, I thought about this before the show a little bit, trying to ponder. And um, I'm going to say orange blossoms. If you've ever wow. been in a place where there are orange groves, and there used to be lots of these in Southern California, um, but there are other places where orange groves. There's actually, um, the last time I smelled this was in Phoenix, where there are a bunch of orange trees uh, sort of near where my um, mother lives and, and very close to where my sister used to live. The orange groves, when the orange trees are in bloom, it is amazing. It doesn't smell like you're in a in orange juice. That's not what, <laughs> like a giant vat of orange juice. That's not what it smells like. It's this very delicate, beautiful scent, uh, floral, obviously, of uh, the orange trees. So that's my favorite. It's the orange tree, orange blossoms. That was much more of a sweet answer than I was expecting, honestly. Hmm. I didn't know what I was going to get from you. What? New car smell that apple candle that's supposed to smell uh-huh. like an apple box? Um, what else <laughs> did I that, that I did I consider as a joke answer? I don't know. I didn't necessarily think it was going to be technology related. I thought about petrichor, um, the smell of uh, after a rain when there hasn't been rain for a while. You get that that smell of like a fresh a fresh rain on like concrete. I or, did not or, know that had a name. It does petrichor. It's it's. Wow. Uh, I only know about it because it was in a Doctor Who episode. Uh, as a random word that they had to figure out what it meant. The smell Petricor. of earth after rain, but it is Petrichor. P-E-T-R-I-C-H-O-R. Pleasant smell that frequently accompanies the first rain after a long period Oof. of warm, dry weather. Right. And it is a smell. I mean, you know that oh, smell. Oh, yeah. yeah. You yeah. know that smell. That is a great smell. I, I do love that smell. I have a question for Do you like the smell of gasoline? No. Oh, I do. I'm one of those I do people. not. I like the smell. I like the smell of gasoline. I know it's bad smell, but I like it. That's why I buy electric cars now. <laughs> no more gasoline, thank you very much. I love much. the smell of electricity, me. It's great. Oh, yeah. Give me those electrons, man. Woo! Good smell of electrons mm, in the morning. Electrons That'll smell. wake you up. That'll wake you up. That's right. You can just get a hot cup of electrons and mm-hmm. you start your day. Mm-mm-mm. If you would like to send in a question for us to open a future episode of the show, just send out a tweet with the hashtag SnellTalk or use question mark SnellTalk in the RelayFM members Discord. As you can tell... It can be about basically anything. Yes. And if it piques my interest enough, then I'll ask Jason. It actually shouldn't be about technology because really if it's about technology, it should be an ask upgrade question. Oh, I, so. I 100% police that. So when people yeah. ask Snell Talk questions that should be ask upgrade questions, they just go into my ask upgrade All section. Right. Rather well than, done. Rather than Snell Talk. Don't you worry. I'm on, I'm on top of that. I'm on top Thank of that. Thank you. We have some follow-up. 
You were very right. upset about uh, your Nest thermostat. <laughs> I mean, very upset is probably pushing it, but it was that. So we had a nice conversation last week about mm -hmm. matter. You ta you taught me lots of things about how matter works, and then there is matter and antimatter and mm -hmm. starship engines and warp Black cores holes and, and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but one of the things that uh, that you mentioned is that Google, you know, is on board and the Nest supports this and. Uh, and I thought, well, I have, I think, a second generation Nest, so maybe I need to get a third generation Nest thermostat. And I went and I looked it up and I found, ultimately, I found a very good interview with the head of smart home stuff, basically, at Google on The Verge, where they asked about the Nest thermostat. And they said, well, the Nest thermostat supports matter, but we haven't decided whether the Nest learning thermostat, which is the nice one that I have, will support it or not. It has a yep. thread radio in it, they said, but it's more complicated than that. And, you know, I was a little irate because basically, as I, as I, okay, basically the Nest thermostat, uh, which I have had a chance to use in a, in a rental over the summer, feels like a cheap knockoff of a Nest thermostat. The interface is totally different. It's got like this weird touch sensitive strip on the side and, and a button that you press on the side. And the, the, it doesn't, it, the whole purpose of the, that round nest thing was that there was a thing you could turn and you could push. And it was like a very tactile kind of thing. And that isn't in the nest thermostat. It's only in the more expensive nest learning thermostat. Uh, anyway, they, when asked, and this is so typically Google, when asked, well, will your high end thermostat that people have put in their homes support this brand new matter standard that you're behind. Their answer was meh. It wasn't no, it wasn't yes, it was meh. Yeah. So frustrating. I still like this, right? Like, so when you posted it, I was like, I went, I just went and did some more research as well. And like, just so let me just go through Google's pages, right? Yeah. Like that actual store pages. And it is so unclear. Like, mm -hmm. basically, they have committed that the standard Nest thermostat. Is yeah, the plastic will be matter support. It will get matter support, but the Nest Learning thermostat, which was not a thing that I knew existed, like as a name, until right. This well, article. they added it because they yeah. made this cheap one, so they added that in because well, see, it's very clever. They removed all the learning features and stuff, which I have turned off anyway. But like, they removed the learning features when they cheaped out, and they didn't want to call that low end model the Nest cheap plastic thermostat yep. so what they did is they like let's accentuate the positive the features we took out of the cheap one are like learning are in the expensive ones so we'll add that name so the nest thermostat is now the nest learning thermostat because they make the cheap plastic crappy one yep and still you can buy this so you can buy today the 249 dollar yep. nest learning thermostat and Third as it stands yeah. right now there is no uh expectation that it will support matter Right. They they it may and it may need a thread bridge or something like that, which is something we spoke about. Well, no, it has a thread radio and I think it's a software thing. I think they actually are going to have to it's like can they fit in whatever the little processor is inside there and how much memory it has. We were talk I was talking about how thread won't support matter unless there's a bridge in the middle. They uh, may yeah. they may support it that way. I don't know. But they haven't said one way or another. I don't know, but but I think it's really telling that they've got this premium product. And when asked directly by a member of the media, what about it? Their response was not yes or no, but really like, eh, we don't know. Uh, and it remains so as far as I can tell, which is very frustrating. So I know a lot of uh, people who use Apple products use Ecobee thermostats. Ecobee thermostats are very good. I don't like how they look. Um, they turns out, <laughs> though, while I was looking around, uh, digging into this, it turns out that Ecobee makes a new Ecobee that is a high-end model. 
and it's got like the metal housing and stuff and it's bigger. It's almost like an Apple Watch Ultra for an Ecobee thermostat. So it's got a bigger screen and it's got metal around it, like stainless steel around it. So it looks more like a Nest actually. And honestly, if I if I decide to give up on Nest, that's what I'll buy. And it costs about what the Nest Learning Thermostat costs, by the way. The problem I have with Ecobee is mostly that I don't like Ecobee's interface because it's a round rect. Um, that's mm. the shape of it. And it's a touchscreen. And it's essentially like a little app that's stuck to your wall. Yeah. And the Nest, you know, if I want it to be hotter, I put my hands on the outside of the ring and I turn it and then uh-huh. and the number goes up. Uh-huh. And if I want it to be cooler, I turn it and the number goes down. And if uh-huh. I want to do interact with it, I press it press it in, press literally the thermostat in and it bumps in and it gives me a menu and then I go around. It I love that interface and I like how it looks on my wall and I'd like to keep it rather than have to have again like a little mini uh you know iPad or iPhone yeah. app that lives on my wall that I have to go do 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 to do and touch and swipe and all that. I don't want to do that. This smart thermostat supports Spotify. You can play your music from the thermostat. I would say that might be too much. Ecobee also supports, it's got support for multiple voice assistants. That's fine. The voice assistant thing I actually think is quite clever, right? It's just another, uh, right. Well, it ends up being another microphone that's listening. I don't know if I need it to play my Spotify music, though. You know what I mean? Right, on your thermostat? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it's a perfectly nice product, and I might end up buying it, but... Uh, and I'm glad that they made one that looks nicer and 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 not as cheap as their other ones do. Um, but I would really rather that that Google actually support Matter with a Nest. And so for now, all my enthusiasm about Matter helping me get my thermostat on HomeKit properly, I am am withdrawing it all and instead sort of just coming to terms with the fact that I'm mm. probably going to have to bridge it for a while. And then ultimately, it's unclear what I'll replace it with. Um, maybe it'll turn out that somebody builds an amazing nest to matter uh, thing that runs on a server, and I don't need to ever change it because you know the thermostats don't go out of style. Like it works fine, other than what it's talking to. So we'll see. But anyway, I just was amazed by Google. I mean. I don't love that Google made the cheap crappy Nest and called it a Nest thermostat, but I get it. They wanted a cheaper, more accessible model. Mm -hmm. And while it is, having used it now, I realize how much of a downgrade it is from the good one. Seriously, when you use a product and you think, oh, this is the cut rate uh, knockoff non-brand product that's trying to ape a Nest to trick people, and then you discover, no, it's literally the Nest low-end product like that's a bad sign when you think that this is some sort of chintzy ripoff and it's actually the low-end product um but like also just very disappointed in google for having this high-end product that they continue to sell sell and yet are super shifty about whether it will ever (laughs) talk to the smart home standard that google is fully quote unquote fully behind so okay i just wanted to mention to try and alleviate the follow-up I think we both know that the Starling Home Hub as a product exists. 
Yes, I, we people mail that in, and that's yeah. fine. I, I have a Mac Mini running all the time, so I don't need another piece, yeah. another little tiny computer running as a hub because I have a Mac Mini and Homebridge. If you don't, there is a company that has essentially, and the Starling Home Hub is what it is, it productized Homebridge essentially, or Home Controller, or what, something like that. And um, and like they've got a board in there, and they've got the software in there, and it's it's essentially a piece of hardware that acts like one of these software bridges. But if you've got a if you've got a Mac Mini server or something like that, like I do, you can just run Homebridge and do mm-hmm. it that way. Uh, Johnny Ive is going to be an executive producer on an upcoming Apple TV Plus animated movie. Hmm. It's coming this Christmas. It's an adaptation of a book called "The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse." Uh, there are a large name like selection of names attached to this movie from who's making it to who's producing it to who's executive producing it. I just thought it was just like a funny little thing to note that. Johnny is going to be an executive producer on an Apple TV Plus movie. Yeah, it, it's a little, it's a little weird. I wonder what the story is there. Um, Shades of Scott Forstall. Nine um. to Five Mac <laughs> thinks it's because J.J. Abrams and Woody Allison are involved in this movie, and they are both personal friends of Johnny. Ah, so they got got, got Johnny involved in mm-hmm. some way. I have a um, since since you mentioned Nine to Five Mac, I just have a little note for friend of the show Zach Hall. Okay, very nice fellow. This this story that we're linking to in our show, show notes. Oh yes, is one of the more confusing stories I've seen on Nine to Five Mac. I don't think it is, but me and Stephen had this conversation. You, you, you go on. Because what? Okay, so what it is? I think what's happening here is that they have a roundup column that they do where they uh-huh. dump a whole bunch of small news items in instead of running them as, as individual items. Because this story is two stories. This mm-hmm. page is Johnny Ives, the executive producer of a thing, and also Ted Lasso. It has a deal with Bumble to bring their banter thing from Ted Lasso onto Bumble. Mm-hmm. So why is why are the why is this not two stories? Why why is the story that with Johnny Ive as the lead have a big Ted Lasso banter thing at the top? Because why is get... the headline starting with banter and following with Johnny Ive when the story sequence is Johnny Ive and then banter? Well, okay, so I think yes, they I think they have a roundup of like TV plus content. I think these two things go together because you get to be able to write the headline dating app banter from Ted Lasso becomes real. Johnny Ive adds Apple TV plus product uh. producer to resume because that headline I clicked it immediately because so I'm like, okay, I thought those two things were related. They're not. I think it's interesting from a web publishing standpoint that these could have been two separate articles with two separate clicks. And they're not. And yeah. that's fun. That goes against the way that the modern web works where, you know, they'll, they'll discover like, and again, I'm not trying to pick on nine to five Mac cause everybody does mm-hmm. this, but like nine to five Mac will have like, you know, the, maybe, uh, they discover four, three interesting things about, uh, uh, or interesting things about three new Apple products that are rumored. And then what you end up doing is you're writing three stories about them, right? You're like, oh, new Apple Watch report says this. And it's like, oh, a new iPad report says this. And oh, new iPhone report says this. It's the same report. You could have rolled it together. But it's like, well, no, we want more stories and more clicks and all of that. I just think it's funny that uh, mm-hmm. in this case they they got put together. But I think you're right. I think that this is a process thing where this is the uh, – we're writing about Apple TV. And here are two stories that are sort of related to Apple TV. So we'll roll them together. I just – but you, what you're saying is – if if I can if I can stick banter Ted Lasso and Johnny Ive in one headline and dating yep. in yep. one headline, yep. boy, do that because that's catnip yep. for clicks. Because I had multiple people send me this who didn't read the article, and the URL is Apple TV Johnny Ive dating app. Exactly. 
So I had multiple people send me this article and they were like, oh, because they didn't read it. Johnny Ive is going to be producing a dating app. It's amazing. That Johnny Ive designed a dating app and is now an executive producer of Ted Lasso. I think this is what people took from it. If that's the plan, Zach Hall, then I applaud you and 9to5Mac. What a move Mm -hmm. that is. I just was puzzled by it because I'm like, well, wait a second. Why? What is this other story that's that's pasted at the end of the story about this Christmas thing that, okay, all right. You got some follow-out for us. I have a little follow-out. I mean, there was a little follow-out item in the document, and I thought, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Uh, what's it going to be? And then I thought, oh, I have some follow-out that I was Well, the heading's gonna... always there in our document, just I in know. case. Well, it, but it pinged a thing in, in my head. It was like, mm. oh, I actually do have follow-out. Okay. Um, last, last week on the Accidental Tech Podcast, episode 504, they talked a lot about Mac window management. Casey got angry. That's fine. Was that? Yeah, I think that was last week. Casey got angry because uh, John and Marco kept adding all the footnotes to the things when Casey wanted to keep it simple. It's fine. Uh, I think they actually did a pretty good job of exposing the ultimate answer to the ultimate question of, I'm a new Mac user. What's the right way to manage my Windows? And the answer is, there is no right way. There's about a million different ways to manage your Windows. Find one that works for you. The reason that this is follow-out and I've already expressed this to Casey privately, by the way. <laughs> uh, and he's heard from a lot of people, but I just wanted to be on the record here. Is I think it's interesting because they spent the whole time talking about keyboards and hot corners and clicking with a mouse. And what they missed is one of the, I think, most fundamental ways that a modern Mac interface works. And the reason it's fundamental is twofold. One, most Macs sold are laptops. And two, Apple also sells a very nice desktop Mac pointing device called the Magic Trackpad. There it is. And they do the same thing, which Mm -hmm. is gestures. Yep. And so when they're talking about, oh, here's what you do. You hold down F11 and then you drag a thing. And I'm like, F11? What? (laughs) What? Why? (laughs) And they're like, like, oh, there's this great, you could get a hotkey that shows the desktop. And I think, or you can do, and I had to think about what the gesture is, but it's basically on a trackpad, you put all your fingers together. And you put it on the trackpad and then you flick. You just open them up and you're like, flick. And what does it do? It takes every window on your screen and it flicks it out. Yeah. It flicks it away to the yep. sides of the screen so you can see the desktop. It is a, it, I would say, almost whimsical kind of feature given how it's it paired the with the gesture. Mm-hmm. And so you just go, bloop, and there's your desktop and you bring it back. And then, of course, I also use, when I've lost a window, this especially happens with installers. Mm-hmm. You, know, you have that thing where it's like, oh, I now I, I have installed yep. an update and and now I need to relaunch. And it goes behind a window, and, and but it's not a, like a window window. It's like yep. a, kind of a half of a window, and you can't find it. Sometimes it's like now no longer related to the app, so you click the icon, but it doesn't bring up the it doesn't relaunch bring it thing or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So so if you take three or more, I believe it is three or four fingers, or five or six or seven, put all your fingers on there. I don't care. And you and you and you put it on the trackpad and you swipe up. It does the show me all windows, and it sort of tiles them and shrinks them. And then you can click on the one you one you want to bring forward, and it brings it forward. And I use that all the time. Not to mention, you know, the standard sort of two finger scrolling and uh, two finger clicking for a, an alternate click. Oh, I constantly doing the trackpad gestures like i'm like yeah. swiping up to get like to get to expose i'm swiping left and right with the four For fingers spaces. to go my spaces yeah sure i'm all over it yeah so um 
So, I mean, they know already. <laughs> like Casey was like, yeah, yeah, we heard. But I just wanted to mention here because I thought it was a really fun conversation, even though Casey just got increasingly angry, because I think it oh, made Casey. the point that those are three different users. And while they seem to not care so much about trackpad gestures, they're three different users with three different, completely different perspectives on how to do window management. And this is this is going to become more relevant when we talk about um, Stage Manager on Mac OS Ventura when it ships, right? Because that's yet another way to do this. Plus, there are third parties, but like even just Apple has all of these different ways. And the answer is there's no one true way. It actually is that Apple's trying to give users a whole lot of choice in, in order to find uh, a good way for them. Because and I some encourage people, that. Yes, because not every... Because the truth is everybody's different. Everybody has a different preference. If they said, no, the one true way is full screen mode, I'd be like, I'm not updating <laughs> because I'm never using full screen mode, right? Mm-hmm. Or spaces. They're like, spaces are mandatory now. I'm like, no. I mean, that would be stupid, but like, no, I don't want to use spaces. I don't like it. But other, but other people swear by it and that's, and that's fine, right? Like everybody's different. I do think that Apple probably should do another after they ship stage manager, they should probably do another like high level. What are we really trying to get at here? And I think honestly, I I do think maybe they should consider some sort of tiling as another thing on top of it, but the third parties have it pretty well covered. So anyway, trackpad gestures are great and they're available on most Macs because most Macs are laptops with a trackpad. And if you're somebody who is at a desktop and uh, doesn't use a trackpad on your desktop, even though you use a laptop a lot, I really encourage you to look at the Magic Trackpad because the beauty of it is all of the muscle memory that you build up on your laptop is then there on your desktop. And that's why I switched and I love it. I have both a mouse and a trackpad. You can do, I know stuff. a lot of people who do that, right? Mm-hmm. And you can do the gestures on the trackpad and you can mm-hmm. do some other stuff on the mouse and that works great too. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, yeah. Anyway, it was a fun conversation and I, I, it, it triggered in me all of those thoughts of like, yeah, Apple really is just sort of like, <laughs> has a menu of options for you to choose from in terms of how you want to manage your windows. But uh, they, the, those guys, I guess because they maybe don't, use those gestures or are at a desk and aren't using a magic trackpad, but they just, I can't, I couldn't believe as I I went through the whole conversation, they didn't mention it. So there I mentioned it. Trackpad gestures are the uh, like secret sauce and they shouldn't be a secret because you don't, there are lots of things for which a hot corner or holding down F11 is probably not Mm -hmm. the best way to get at that feature. But if, again, if you want to, if you if you like it, do it that way. But I think that that uh, that gestures are are more intuitive. But this is why the follow out segment exists. Because why yeah. send in follow up for a podcast when you can just provide it on your own podcast on your own podcast, and then the podcasts eat each other. Yeah, uh, and and the forming one giant mass of podcast. Anyway, that's my feedback. And maybe they listen, maybe they don't. But you know, so it works. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Text Expander. When you work in a small team, every moment counts. You don't want to be wasting your time finding video conferencing details to send to a new client to make sure that they will be on the Zoom at the right time. You don't want to track down the same FAQs from the company website every time you get a support email. These are the kind of things you want ready at your fingertips so you can get your work done faster 
and with less frustration. That's why you need Text Expander. With Text Expander, you can access what you type the most with just a few keystrokes, allowing you to work faster and eliminate repetition, letting you focus on what matters most to you. Text Expander's powerful shortcuts and abbreviations will streamline your team's work. All you have to do is type in a short abbreviation, and Text Expander will do the rest for you. You just build your most and collect your most commonly used phrases, messages, URLs, and more right within Text Expander. Create your chosen abbreviation, and it's going to be with with you wherever you type. You can even customize the snippets by having them automatically add in dates, fill in the blank fields, timestamps, and more. This will make sure that you keep the personality in the communication that you send. Text Expander is available on every device you use across any app you use on Mac, Windows, Chrome, and iOS. Text Expander will also be really powerful. It is very powerful, and you can push it as far as you want. We did some stuff here at Relay FM where, like, we have like ad copy and our ad system has a bunch of fields when you're filling it out. So like name of the sponsor, the copy, what's the coupon code. So we put those in so our hosts like me can read them. Now, Carrie, our VP of sales, sets these things up where like if you know she's going to be away and needs me to put them in, she puts all of the information in with Text Expander putting in tabs. So I can just type the abbreviation and it fills in one field, tab down to the next one, to the next one all in one time. It's really incredible. And there's so much less work for me. And that's the kind of power that you can have at your fingertips with Text Expander. If repetitive typing is getting you down, you need Text Expander. Check out Text Expander today at textexpander.com slash upgrade and you will get 20% of your first year. That's textexpander.com slash upgrade to say goodbye to repetitive typing. Our thanks to Text Expander for their support of this show and Relay FM. Got a very short rumor roundup, Jason Snell. Saddle up. Okay. Head on down uh, to Mm -hmm. the ARVR town. Uh, There's a new report from the information with uh, a couple of interesting little details. One, they seem to be very on it. The information when it comes to the the headset. I feel like more than most places, this tends to be where we get a lot of information. We'll find out, uh, no pun intended, we'll find out Mm. how much of it's actually correct at some point in the future. But Iris ID is the thing that would be coming to the AR VR headset, which would be Mm -hmm. a biometric sensor authentication system for the headset that would allow you to make purchases, switch users automatically, that kind of thing. Uh, So you would put your headset on, it would know who was wearing the headset and then use their profile or that kind of stuff. Uh, this This sensor is the same technology that allows them to do foveated rendering, which is a thing where it looks where your eyes are looking and just renders in that exact location that's needed rather than needing to render an entire scene in full resolution. This is a thing uh, that more and more headsets are doing. Uh, the PlayStation PSVR 2 is going to be using foveated rendering. It allows you to have less processing needed at any one time. So where you're looking is where it's rendering, which is very clever. Right. So that they, they have, they've adopted it for that, but it can also do this iris scanning, basically. And they're going to use that instead of Face ID or Touch ID for the headset, apparently. Right, so you put on the headset and it knows who it is because yep. they recognize your eyes. It's yep. like uh, Captain Kirk in Star mm-hmm. Trek Two. They like pop, like look, look. We we thought we had jumped past that to Face ID, but it turns out mm, no. I'm on a headset. It's actually the best way to do it. Yeah, very interesting. Very yeah. interesting. The foveated rendering stuff. I also am amazed by right because like imagine the level of 
of uh, detail and speed and power you have to have yes. to recognize where the eye is facing and dynamically change what is, well, it's not even dynamically change what is in focus based on where the eye is facing. It really is, the key is the moment that your eye, and by the way, eyes move real fast, yeah. uh, flick from left to right, that the display updates with the higher resolution over there immediately so you don't have this thing where every time your eyes flick slightly in one direction or other everything gets a little hazy for a moment Mm -hmm. so that's i mean vision is weird and there are lots of tricks you can play on human vision but still like when i hear the foveated rendering stuff described i am like i don't i don't disbelieve i'm just kind of amazed that we have the ability to do that cuz it's very clever right the yes, idea that your peripheral vision doesn't need to be so clear because it's your peripheral vision but um to make that actually work is mm-hmm. amazing so there's uh the MetaQuest Pro is a product that exists now right so we're already starting oh, well, to sort get... of well i mean it goes on sale announced. next week okay so it's it's very much more real than Apple's headset, we can say, right? Very They're showing much so, it off, yes. and it, and it goes on sale on the twenty fifth. So maybe not mm-hmm. next week, but the twenty fifth is when you can buy it. You can pre order it now. Uh, and nine to five Mac, I wanted to read this because I just thought it was interesting. The information report says Apple's headset will look quite different to the just announced MetaQuest Pro in regards to physical design. The Quest Pro looks like a plastic visor, but the Apple headset will supposedly use mesh fabric, aluminium, and glass, making for a more premium appearance. And I thought that was interesting, but do want to say Apple's headset is probably going to cost twice as much as the MetaQuest yeah, Pro, yeah. so yeah. you would hope so. <laughs> yeah. I am also amused by the more premium appearance because I have to ask the question, what is the more premium appearance for? Yes. Because when you're wearing it, you don't know what it looks like, so it's Does it look better? I mean, premium materials can be nice because they can feel better. uh I totally get that. But how much of this is really like, well, we know it's embarrassing to put on a VR headset, but not our VR headset. It's less embarrassing because it's made of premium materials and looks nicer on the the outside for when people are looking at you, looking dumb, wearing a headset. Don't forget, there was the rumor of the screen that's on the front, which shows your eyes. Or like some kind of impression, facial impression Mm. of you. Like that could be sensors. Like before I wasn't sure about like how that would work, right? That like, are they going to have like a camera and it actually shows your real eyes? Like maybe they're going to do that. But the MetaQuest Pro has sensors in it to detect like your eyebrow movement and stuff like that, like your facial expression. And apparently from the people that have tried it and tried it out, they say like this works surprisingly well for the characters that you are in like in world and VR. So maybe yeah. it's just something like that. It's like a cartoon Memoji-like thing, and it's using sensors to then represent your uh, personality on the outside. I still don't know if that's necessary, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very Apple, right? And Apple, mm-hmm. Apple, uh, any piece of hardware, Apple wants it to feel premium and look look that way. And um, and if it's yeah, if it's going to cost what it's going to cost, then it probably should not look like a lump of plastic. But um, I just you know, in mm-hmm. the end. <laughs> What matters with these things at this point is how they feel mm-hmm. way more than um, how they look when you're yep. wearing them because you're not wearing, you're not seeing yourself when you wear it. Exactly. So it doesn't matter. It really does yeah. not matter because you're always going to look a little bit ridiculous no matter what the thing is. Yes. So you crystallize my matter. thoughts perfectly. Yes, yeah. exactly. Well, we're heating up. This world is heating up. Or you could be like James Thompson, who just posted a thing in our chat room where somebody just put googly eyes on the front of an Oculus Quest 2. I'm assuming it was him that did that. 
I'm assuming I don't know. These, are, these are James's. It doesn't doesn't really matter, does it? It's a yeah. good one. Just do that. Just do that. Maybe that is what they're gonna do. Done. That's cheaper. Uh-huh. It's a lot cheaper. Not really premium materials. We use for premium our googly goods. eyes. We used quartz crystal. Chamfered and inside googlies. Is a, and inside is a surgically uh, sur- surgical quality stainless steel disc with chamfered edges. <laughs> it's the Apple googly eyes. They're coming. Watch out. You got some AirPods Pro too. <laughs> I did. I, I heard you. This is follow out essentially oh, in wow. a way from mm-hmm. Connected last week. Um, where you talked about your AirPods Pro 2, and I want to talk about it with you here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I don't have a lot to say, but I wanted to say that they sound great. They really do. And I used my AirPods Pro originals a lot. Um, as somebody who didn't believe in Apple's earbuds at all, um, the the noise canceling uh, and the lightness of it may- led me down the path. Um, these are, they sound, they sound great. The um, the pass through sounds good, although I am un- again. How do you prove that you're like, oh yeah, that sound was should have been louder and it wasn't? It's very hard to prove that. Yeah, I'm still not convinced about that myself. Like, I'll be honest. I need to go stand next to a jackhammer and see what happens. I've got to find something under construction. I still yet to experience it, especially because I know I experienced this happening before. Like a, a yeah. siren would go by, like a police car or something, and it would adjust. The transparency, so yeah. I, I still it may just not be sure faster and better. Yeah, yeah. No. Uh, but overall, the the actual noise canceling experience is really good. Like I, I don't so do they good. sound better? I I think they do, but I'm I'm not entirely convinced when people say, oh yeah, they sound better, and I'm noticing more bass response and all that. I'm not entirely convinced that isn't because they're coming from an old pair of AirPods Pro that have some earwax yep. in them and stuff. And like well, I'm not just, entirely. I think that they these things wear out over time. Like I really yeah. do. I think they just get less powerful. It's not a clean comparison if you've got an old, worn-out pair and then a brand-new pair, because, of course, they're going to feel nicer, because they're new, and they're going to yeah. sound better. And Anyway, but they do sound great, and the noise canceling is uh, is definitely superior. I'm very impressed by that. Um, it's, you know... I And how much of that is the, the technology, and how much of that is the, is the seal... Is a is a question mm-hmm. for me because I think that there's I think there's a limit to what Apple can do with noise canceling um, because of the seal, right? Because sure. if you're letting in sound from the outside through the gap uh, in your headphones, um, it's hard for Apple to counteract that. Not that they don't try, right? They've got the little microphones on the inside that are trying to get the sound that's coming into your ear canal and cancel it, but there's only so much they can do. And so, you know, what I'm really saying is when I'm riding in the backyard and the kids next door are jumping up and down on the trampoline, you know, I can still hear them, but they're pretty quiet and I don't have to, you know, but the, when the person is redoing their roof, you know, five houses down and there's a big uh, machine running out there, I can't, you know, I can't hear that, which is pretty great. So, yeah, I, I so I love them. And I know we did an upgradees about this a few years ago when the AirPods Pro came out, but like... AirPods alone, but AirPods Pro especially, this is one of, like, everybody talks about, oh, what's the next iPhone, and Apple doesn't make great products anymore, and, you know, where's the next great, brilliant idea, and people poo-poo the Apple Watch, which I like, but AirPods and AirPods Pro, like, this is a great product, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and super influential, right? Because while there were some products that did sort of some of this beforehand... When Apple went down this path, 
every other technology company was like, they got it. That's it. Let's do that. And I'm not saying that in a negative way because, um, you know, people are like, oh, they copied it. It's like, okay, whatever. I do think there comes a moment in technology, like the moment when Samsung started a lot of, started selling a lot of very big screen phones where everybody else goes, oh, that, that's the answer. We Somebody found the answer. That's the answer. And AirPods Pro is like that. It's like Apple did it and everybody else went, oh yeah, okay, let's do that. Because it, it, it's that good. I love them. It is one of the best products Apple has made. Um, and this is just better of, of yeah. the same one. So, so thumbs up for me. This might not be an original take, but it's a thought that I just had. Like, you know, basically AirPods, the whole AirPods line, it is the modern iPod for Apple. Yeah. Right. That they have a product that they put out that was successful. And then they made a bunch of them in different types, different like configurations and people love them. They're everywhere. The, obviously, the, uh, the the easy comparison is the white earbuds is the same, right? Like, they were yeah. white earbuds then. It's white earbuds now. Mm-hmm. And similarly, it, it proved that there was a market for this. And then a bunch of other companies went and made products that are similar or better in some ways, worse in others, depending on what you care about and of course it's music related i would yeah i yeah i was gonna say i think that i think that you're onto something there and that that the truth of it is um remember when they made that ipad ipod shuffle that didn't have any interface on it and it's like well no the headphones are the interface like well in a world where every device can be a bluetooth um internet connected uh, or preloaded with music audio player you don't need an ipod anymore no you still have ears, right? You yep. still need the other part yep. of it. So, so in many ways, the AirPods literally are all that's left of the iPod, <laughs> which is the part you stick in your ears. Because you know, I I walk around frequently with you know, here at the house, I have like at least four devices that are that I use every day that all can play right into the AirPods, right? And I get to choose. And when I go for a run and just bring my watch, I bring the AirPods. And there they are. So from, you know, my, actually my Apple TV too. I've, I've done that when I've had, there was somebody working outside with a loud machine and I was trying to eat my lunch and watch TV. And I put in my AirPod Pros and, uh, and, and set it as the output from my Apple TV Mm -hmm. and used it that way. So uh, yeah, it's just it's a it's a really smart product and I'm glad it exists. And the new one is better and, uh, I'm interested to see what they'll do in the future. We talked a while ago about Apple Watch and the challenge with the Apple Watch temperature sensor on the wrist and the medical issues with it. And mm-hmm. like when you get a fever, it's more on the inside of your body and, and, and your chest and not so much your extremities, which can get cooler. And there's a lot of complication there. And I thought about in context why Apple is rumored to be investigating things like temperature and other health sensors in AirPods. Which seems so weird, except the AirPods are in your ears. It's a better place for sensing right, things. Right. And it's also a second data point, right, as well, which yeah. might continually assist. And maybe they just really, it's like, oh, your AirPods can talk to your Apple Watch. And mm-hmm. like, which goes together with the way that they introduced that September keynote, right? Of like these, these three products are actually like it's one ecosystem. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. That's a really good point. 
On top of that, I'll say, and this is a wild idea, but I'm going to throw it out there. This is one of those infinite timescale ideas. But I know we've talked a lot about how Apple's first AR product is the AirPods, right? Because they do the transparency mode. So you're listening to reality, but uh, something is overlaid over it and Apple's technology is mediating it. You know, there's a scenario where Apple and, and other and its competitors are creating these things that are increasingly small and increasingly uh, smart. And there's a point where Apple might say, just we talk about it for, for glasses, right? But it's, I feel like we're going to get there sooner with AirPods, where they say, just leave them in. And if they can come up with a benefit, and we talked about like hearing aids and things like that, yeah. um, if you talk about spoken um, announcements and voice assistant and volume. I'm not saying people are going to want to wear AirPods all day, nor will the battery last that long. But if you try to just sort of like extrapolate and expand it, there, you know, if you if you can't feel them, they last all day, and they provide you with a layer of information on top of being able to hear everything in your world crystal clear. At that point, you would just leave them in all day. So it's an interesting thing to think about that that in many ways AirPods are so much further along that path than the rumored and not yet even introduced first generation AR thing from Apple. Um, but they're already there with the AirPods. So the sky's the limit. I'm not sure I want AirPods in my ears all day long. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying... I mean, I have mine in for a long time, even when I'm not listening to music. Like if I listen to something, I just leave them in. I don't even think about it. Like it's not even a conscious decision. Yeah. Well, that's that's going down the path, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, give me, and then if I've done it, give me a reason. Especially if they're smart enough to to filter out the sounds you don't want to hear, but filter, but play through the sounds you do want to hear, which mm-hmm. is sort of where they're going with that. Mm-hmm. Like, so that you're not, you're not wandering around in a noise canceled days, but it is modulating what you hear. Uh, that's also very interesting for people and not just for people who need hearing aids, but uh, for everybody. So I don't know. It's fascinating. So anyway, that those are my AirPods 2 thoughts. Uh, AirPods Pro 2 thoughts. Thank you for um, for listening and um, and for inspiring it by you talking about how much you like them. I have some real-time follow-up Okay, from Zach Hall of 9to5Mac. Mm. My process starts with how can I make sure this is an upgrade topic in reference to the article about Johnny Ive yeah. and, and the dating app? Then there are these two TV Plus tidbits worthy of their own stories. I didn't think so for 9 to 5 Max format. In retrospect, I would do two stories if only for the sake of my mentions. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Zach. So there you go. Zach learned a valuable lesson. Now friend friend question mark of the show, Zach Hall. (laughs) I think it's interesting. I mean, it's it's journalism inspired baseball, but I was just sort of fascinated by it that it was two things and I thought it was a process thing right like it was like I've got two I've got two not particularly exciting tidbits about Apple TV related stuff let me roll them together I get it so good mm. poor Zach because I think 9 to 5 Mac tweets out with the the writer's handle as well and so every um, reply to that tweet would have also gone to Zach I guess whew. sometimes we make these decisions and they accidentally ruin our day and there's just nothing you can do about it This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by CleanMyMac X. You want to make sure that your Mac is a tool that you can rely on. It's crucial for work, education, and your everyday life. MacPaw is on a mission to help machines help you, which is why they developed CleanMyMac X, an ideal decluttering app 
for the Mac that will keep yours in tip-top shape. Play My Mac X includes 49 tools to help you find and delete invisible computer junk, which is just so helpful. I absolutely love Play My Mac X for this because it just makes sure that I'm just getting rid of the stuff that I don't want to have on my Mac. It helps me free up the storage space that I otherwise seem to not be able to track down. Some things just kind of run away with storage, and this helps me uh, find that and, and clean it up. It also helps tune up your Mac so it runs at maximum speed. It will organize disk space, showing your large hidden folders. It will fight Mac-specific malware and adware, and also prevent your Mac from cluttering, lagging, and slowing down. Clear My Mac X's all-new menu app will also help you take care of your Mac's health with six detailed monitors that can provide useful information about your storage, state of protection, CPU performance, RAM, battery, and network speeds. Just even more reason to keep Clear My Mac X running. It's notarized by Apple, it's available in the Mac App Store, and it stands out in its design. In 2021, Clean My Mac was honored with the Red Dot Award, UX Design Award, and has become a Webby Award nominee this year as well. So, go check it out for yourself today and get 5% off at macpore.app slash upgrade. This discount is only valid for two weeks, so go now and check out Clean My Mac X at macpore.app slash upgrade for 5% off. Was a note which I'll mention. Clean My Mac and MacPore, they are based in Ukraine. Their team have worked hard to make sure that there are no disruptions in the support and development of their applications during the current crisis, the war in Ukraine. The product is stable, safe, and secure, and I think is worthy uh, for us to support them. They do incredible stuff. Our thanks to Clean My Mac X for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So we are recording on Monday the 17th. Yep. We are hurtling towards the end of October. We are. There were reports last week from Mark Gurman that iOS 16.1 is expected in the final full week of October, which is next week. Next week. And Mark has also mentioned that previously in October, Apple has announced products during their earnings call week, which is also next week. Mm Mm-hmm. So there is a possibility that sometime between now and the end of next week, there could be an announcement of an event. There could be products added to the store. There could be press releases. There could be press previews and briefings. We don't know. But we want to think about what they could be. uh, Maybe kind of get that out there. Because I think at this point, we're expecting we won't be drafting in October, right? I think think probably not. Like Unless unless Apple... I think I think there's a possibility that Apple would do something where they would say, let's say tomorrow, um, you know, tune in next Tuesday for a special video presentation. I still think that's a possibility. Yep. But it's it's just as likely that this is going to be more like those sort of what I call the third tier product launches, which is they they just do briefings and a press release, and it's not a you know it's not a big event yep. beyond that, and that depends on how how big they feel it is. And so this seems too complicated to draft and we may still draft like if they announce an event tomorrow like we'll do a draft right like we will sure. do one if they if there's going to be a video event but in the case that there isn't we wanted to at least kind of get out there what we're thinking about uh in regards to what apple might be having for right. this month right so um where should we start ipads let's start with ipad okay 
so iPad OS has still 16 has still not shipped, right? Mm-hmm. It's they're, they're they pushed it to 16.1. They took Stage Manager off the external displays. They're doing bug fixes with external displays uh or with the internal display and they expanded the compatibility to older iPad Pros. So that's all laying out there. I assume that they're going to ship that like Mark said at the end of at, at sometime next week. And presumably there is some pressure to ship that because there's hardware that has, that needs to ship with it, right? And yep. so that would that would that would mean that presumably sometime this week or next they're going to do a product announcement involving iPads that will ship next week, probably maybe mm-hmm. right after iPad OS presumably would ship earlier in the week. I mean, that's their pattern, right? Is like the OS ships Tuesday or Wednesday, mm-hmm. uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then and then Friday the products come out, right? Yeah, that that would make sense, right? Because it, it, they tend to have the OS available before the hardware, so it's already in there, right? Like the support is already in there. Um, and yeah, it follows all of the, I mean, I just genuinely, I just, you know, being very close to Federico, right? I just kind of can't believe that 16.1's coming out. Like, I just, I can't get my head around it. Like, maybe there's another shoe to drop, but like, mm. iPadOS 16.1 is very complicated. And the main feature is very messy. Yeah, it's messy. Although, you know, Federico's had some bad luck with it. I think that it's us- it's more usable in certain circumstances, but he's right. I mean, it's got lots of problems. I think I think what makes me think it doesn't matter is that it's a mode that is off by default yeah. that you have to turn on. Yeah. And I don't know what the current state of the little thing that says, hey, introducing Stage Manager, you could turn this on is. But it would seem to me that would be a fairly easy switch to flip off yeah. so that you don't ever tell anyone Stage Manager is there and they would have to stumble upon it. It's like the two people with the keys and they have to each turn them at the same time. You know, yeah, and yeah. you can launch exactly. Stage Manager. Exactly, and then you launch Stage Manager. Yeah, mm-hmm. so... uh. And you could turn it off if you don't like it. If it breaks, you just turn it off, right? So I think that you could, it's not great. Don't get me wrong. It's not great to ship a feature that kind of doesn't uh, work as planned and uh, tell people, well, just turn it off. And we're, we're working on it. But that may be where they are now. But 16.1 iOS has to come out soon because of live activities, right? Like you've got to get that out there because and that is a big part of the iPhone experience. iCloud shared photos. Mm-hmm iCloud shared photos too, right? I assume that that feature is going to ship. I actually just, uh, in the latest beta, I noticed that all of my items that I had moved into a shared folder or shared library moved back into my library, <laughs> which I think is they hit a, I think they're preparing to ship it. And so they hit yeah. a reset on everybody from the yeah. beta. So they're like, uh, 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 I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Try beta again. testers. Back in your libraries. Back, go back. <laughs> <laughs> so, which is that's pretty funny, but like, I kind of get it, right? Like, they're like, no, no, no. Yeah. Now that the beta test is over, we're going to push everything back and you can do it again, which I did. Because for all we know, right, one of the reasons it may have gotten delayed was like they worked out that there was maybe some kind of bug or an issue and they just wanted yeah, to sure. make sure they cleaned out anything before they like did the final, like, all right, now we're right. good to go. But, but so based on that, I'm inclined to believe um, that 
they are going to ship that. And they haven't said later this year with that. I like. I feel like the 16.1 update and Ventura are all going to come out simultaneously and they're all going to have the shared library too. So they do need to get it out there. And leaving aside, the hardware is probably calibrated as well, right? There, If there are new Macs, they're probably meant to only run on Ventura. And if there are new iPads, they're probably only meant to run on 16.1 and later. And therefore they need to ship the OSs because they've got hardware that is presumably holding for the shipment. So that's mm-hmm. where we are. In terms of iPad devices, right? Like the rumors are iPad Pro refresh and uh, the base level iPad. And the iPad Pro refresh might not be that exciting, right? It's like from M1 to M2. I, I um, There was a, a report today uh, that over the weekend, Ross Young's, the display analyst, said that the um, 11-inch iPad Pro was not going to get the mini LED illumination and was going to keep its old screen. Oh my God, are you being serious? I am absolutely 100% serious. That is ridiculous. I'm sorry to have broken it uh, here. I should have put that in the show notes. Yeah. Wow, I didn't see this. Yeah. That's... I can't believe that. That seemed like a lock uh, lock in to me. Like that you would like it's been ages now. That's wild. That is really wild that they haven't worked that out or they're not going to do that. I'm very surprised about that. Uh yeah, well if it, if that's if that's true um that's not great. Uh yeah, because that, that was be the one thing I think that a lot of people like you were holding their holding on to was like finally the smaller one is going to get uh-huh. that feature and that display and that would be a reason to update. And so if not, I mean, first question that I have for you is what's enabled in new iPad Pros other than like, okay, if they come out and it's literally the same displays as last time and it's an M2, what else is there? There's rumors of charging differences and magnetic charging. That was a rumor. Mm-hmm. Mag, some kind of MagSafe. Like, is there a, uh, Federico last week, I know on Connected was talking about you know, it's been a while since Apple Pencil 2. Would there be an Apple Pencil 3? Um, I mean, that's more of an accessory-related thing, but I, I, we could leave that aside for a minute because there are accessory questions with the iPad. There always are. The iPad is is as much a an accessory platform as it is a computing device, right? Like, the iPad is it and its accessories and how you choose to build them up. But, like, can you think, like, what do they, what do they say in terms of M an M2 iPad Pro, like what more is enabled with that? I don't really think anything. I think this is mm. this is probably going to be as boring an update as the 2020 uh, update. Right. Well, and, and so that's the answer. That's one reason why it's not an event is that it is a spec bump and mm-hmm. they're just getting it on the latest processors and that's it. And that maybe they add MagSafe, right? Um, in some form. Right, um, which is... Which is the do you do you have a prediction about what that might look like? I mean, my initial thought is that it would be more like the Mac, right? But now right. there is a rumor that Apple is potentially looking at adding the functionality like the uh, new the Pixel tablet where you can like mount it ah. to a little stand and it becomes like a part of your like it's basically like a home part with a screen. Smart home thing. Yeah. And if then it would make sense that the iPad would have a magnet in the back, right? So I think having it be MagSafe would be great, although it's pretty thin. However, there's the keyboard issue, right? And I started to think about like if you've got a magnetic charger thingy and it's on the side, do you have to build your keyboard? 
like if you want if you want the keyboard to have power and have that port on the side still like that that you can plug in for power um you would need like the, you still have to have the magnetic connection on the back and start i started to think about it and i'm like are they going to do that are they going to add a thing on the side and still have the smart connector on the back is that a thing they're going to do and it makes me more inclined to believe that what they're going to do is upgrade the smart connector mm. to be MagSafe compatible, but still also be a smart connector. Which MagSafe? Well, mm-hmm. which MagSafe? Right. iPhone okay. MagSafe, I'm assuming at that point. But it's weird, right? Because ergonomically, iPhone MagSafe on an iPad is like, that's mm, not great. And... um. And does that require them to redesign the Magic Keyboard? Well, I mean, this is the question of accessories. Will they actually just redesign the Magic Keyboard? Right. Right? Will they do that? Maybe. And that's what sets M2 iPad Pro apart is really it uses the fancy new Magic Keyboard that has a function row and different whatever (laughs) that allows it to be more... Uh, and that would make right. it enough for an update, right? Because as Zach has pointed out in sure. Discord, which is a great point, it's like the iPad Pro hardware is great. There isn't really much that you realistically need to do to it um, no. to make an update. I think the 11 inch will just be more, an even more of a sad product, I think, if it doesn't get the new. Um, the I used to say, like, the 11 inch iPad Pro was like the best iPad you could buy. And now that's now it's getting hard for me to say I really like the iPad Air, maybe, is that now? Except for the, mm-hmm. depending on what they announce, but except for the like, price to storage is not good um, on the on the iPad Air. Like the base storage is really low, but the 11 inch is just so great, and it would be even better if they gave it the new cool screen too. But it, I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying that this will happen, but um, I have a little bit uh, hearing you talk about the 11 inch. Just I put a, put a little chill in my heart because. We've been saying for a while now that the the iPad Air is really infringes on a lot of the iPad Pro 11 inch space. Mm-hmm. Not not completely. Like it doesn't have ProMotion. There's things it doesn't have, but it's real. It's real close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's also that rumor floating out there. Not probably for this event, but that that there that there may be a larger iPad coming. Mm-hmm. A 15 inch, let's say iPad Pro or iPad Studio, whatever you want to call it. I wonder if where Apple is headed based on the current trajectory of the iPad is that the 11 inch iPad Pro is more like a vestigial iPad Pro. Yep. And that in the end, they're the two big iPad Pros. And if you want something smaller, you get the iPad Air. Yep. Yep. I like that a lot. Yep. I mean, I don't know if you like it because <laughs> it means you have to choose between a 12.9 or an Air. Well, I mean, I like not have because that sweet promotion on the on the middle. But I think it makes sense. I, I would prefer right. to see them push the iPad bigger than iPad Pro, right? The, yeah. Well, and iPad Pro, right? Like, where, yeah. where what is left to push the iPad Pro as a platform, right? Yeah. You've got the iPad Air, like wh- like we said, the iPad Pro already is pretty powerful. But like, what more is there to do? Well, one thing is to continue to push it up and make a bigger one and have a new ca- keyboard case that does even more stuff and a bigger screen. Let me tell you, a stage manager would be much better on a 15 inch screen than on the 12.9 inch screen, let alone the 11 inch screen, right? Uh, the bigger screen, the better for stage manager. So if that's where they're going, 
then maybe the 11 inch iPad Pro, the answer is it's not long for this world because the you know you should just get an iPad Air at that point, and and the the view of the iPad Pro is 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 even like further up, bigger and more expensive. Mm. I don't know, um, but I think for this one, I I suspect what we're going to get is the 12.9 and the 11 as they are, except with M2, and then some accessories, right? The a new maybe a new keyboard, maybe a new pencil, and char- a charging some sort of charging story. Um, but but yeah, my gut feeling is that it's 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 going to be Essentially, it's going to be iPhone MagSafe because of what I said before, which is I, I don't see Mac MagSafe working on the side. I'd love to be wrong. Really, I would love to be wrong, but I don't see it. What about the Mac? Well, Ventura. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. The current rumor rumors seem pretty good like and also pretty boring. Which again points to why this might not even be an event, a virtual event, is okay. MacBook Pro, which which here's a funny thing, pretty boring, and yet for our audience and our community, like because the MacBook Air is like the definitive Mac, but for our audience and community, I think the MacBook Pro is the definitive Mac. Like yes. the, the yeah. really serious mm-hmm. computery people, and so it's not boring to have an M2. Pro and Max processor in uh, MacBook Pros, right? Like if they do that, and it's the new processor types that are based on M2. Like what is, and we get a story about like what's in the M2 high end processors that we haven't seen before. Um, for our audience, that's really actually really exciting. Even if the M, even if the M2 MacBook Pro hardware is not changed in any way, which I wouldn't expect it would. I don't be. think so. I don't think that's going to happen. No reason. No, it's fantastic. They just, they just got where they are. Yeah. They're they're doing good, and that that's the thing that gives me pause about Apple not making a bigger deal of this. Is, I mean, they can do a press release and post a video that's just Johnny Shruji talking about how amazing it is. But like, wouldn't you want to get people's attention for that? Maybe it's not enough, and maybe it's too too nerdy for everybody. But for our audience, that's huge. That's like wait, there's new high-end M2 processors, tell me more. And I, I have to imagine there there will be, like that. the rumors certainly point to that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot less interesting if the MacBook Pro isn't there, because then we're left with the, um, the Mac Mini, which I love the Mac Mini, and this is one of those holes in the lineup that many people have pointed out where you can't buy a desktop computer with an, a Max processor or no a pro processor in it right you can get the max and the ultra in the mac studio and you can get the straight up m1 in the imac and the mac mini but there's then there's a gap a performance gap between them and there's still the kind of intel mac mini hanging out on the price charts because the, even apple knows that that m1 mac mini is not powerful enough for a lot of the uses that the mac mini is put to so seems like it's mac mini's time to shine <laughs> where it picks up an M2, presumably, and also a configuration that's got that higher-end M2 processor. And the, my my only question there is, are they going to have two Mac Minis, the the silver one and the space gray one, and the space gray one is the high-end one? Because that's how they did it with the last, <laughs> the last Intel one, is like the space gray. It's like, no, it's a very serious Mac Mini. It's slightly darker. <laughs> I don't know. Tell. Yeah, you can tell it's because uh, it's dark. It's for pros. Yeah, but that's I, the. Yeah, I wonder if the M2 processors might not be that much of a story either. 
could be. I mean, there there was right. They could just be. They could just say we updated the cores and they're faster. I mean, that, that is. I think there's one way to look at the M2 cycle, which is that it is a a very quiet processor cycle update. Like it's better, but only a little bit better. And that perhaps Apple is even kind of poised to wait until M3 for the big leap. And that M2 is a little bit more of a placeholder. It's, yeah. it, that is, there's an argument to be made that that's the case. Oh, and also it's like, we we shouldn't get too like lost in the idea that the original M1 chips was so big a departure, but that future chips might just be much more iterative on the original architecture, right? For sure, for sure. I, I keep thinking that they're going to probably... This is true. Like, we're not going to get another leap like we did to M1 because we were coming from Intel and now we're not. But what I would say is that they integrated a bunch of stuff that was in the M2 Pro or in the M1 Pro into the M2 base model, mm -hmm. which makes me think they've got some stuff mm. in the higher end M2s to bring in there so that there's some story there. That is a subtle, esoteric, and super nerdy argument. But for our audience, it's actually kind of important. Mm -hmm. For the general public, probably not. Um, James Thompson is pointing out that there's some question about would the Macs even ship until November? Would they announce them later? If they do press releases, they could totally stagger it and have an iPad announcement this week or next, and then a Mac announcement a, a couple of weeks after that. It it would be fine if they could do that, the Rolling Thunder, <laughs> or they could just do it all at once. Uh, so we'll we'll see. But um, but anyway, I I predict now that if we see these Macs in the next couple of weeks, regardless of where they ship, I, I think you're right, Mike. I mean, bet on boring. <laughs> That's bet on boring because otherwise they would make, unless they hold an event, boring is probably what it is. But boring for the general public doesn't mean it's boring for us because I think there'll be interesting things in the M2 Pro and Max, even if even if the M2 as a processor generation is is a pretty light upgrade, there are things they could potentially stuff in there um, that might also sh show the way to a Mac Pro with an even higher end chip in it. But I don't think they'll actually say anything about the Mac Pro, is my guess, right? We're like, why would you do that? We're never going to see it. <laughs> it's a product that's <laughs> never going to come out. <laughs> it's just, you know, once a year we light the candle and leave the door unlocked and, and put out a placemat and yeah. leave some cookies. And we say, maybe the Mac pro will come. You clear off a spot on the desk. You leave a power, like a power strip there. And you yep. say tonight's the night that we wait for the Mac pro and everybody knows it's not going to appear, but the the further it moves away from like, say whenever it was, maybe WWC, I don't remember the funnier it is that they actually referenced it. Right. That like in the yeah. event, John Tynos is like, coming. It's coming. And then like the further we get away from that, it's like, why did you even say it? Like you yeah. didn't even need to, you didn't need to say it. Like we're fine either way, but. I think they did it to, to, to basically uh, claim victory <laughs> and say, oh. it really doesn't count. Like with well, Mac Pro, we've done everything except the Mac Pro, and nobody nobody Just cares about that one. So we're fine. <laughs> we're fine. And, yeah. and, and, and then all the, all the Mac nerds in the back are like, and the high-end Mac Mini. Like, oh, right. Okay, well, maybe they'll claim victory again. Maybe they'll, like, with the, with the introduction of this high-end Mac Mini, now we've completed the transition except for the Mac Pro. Mission accomplished. Uh, and just make, make us wait a little bit longer. Anything else you think that they might announce in the next couple of weeks? Is there anything else out there? 
I uh, doubt it, really. Like, there's always stuff on the horizon, but, like, I can't imagine hardware. I mean, the only other thing is, like, iOS 16.1 and live activities, right, which you kind of touched on, but, like, right. I've started to get some betas that have live activity support. Live activity support is awesome. It's oh yeah, really good. It's really hmm. good. Uh, and so I've only got three apps that support it right now, and I am very excited for more of them. Something I did not know, mm-hmm. if you have two kind of concurrent live activities going on, they just stack. Like, I don't know how many you can have at a mm-hmm. time, like on your lock screen, but like I currently have, well, I have, have had in the past, like two apps, they're both on, they're both running live activities and they're both visible to me. So I thought that was interesting. Like just third party apps, as well as obviously with the 14 Pro, uh, showing in the dynamic island and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm very excited about live activity support um, in in the apps that I use. So, uh, I'm very keen to see where this where this goes, and I expect this will be something that uh, will be adopted by also a lot of mainstream developers pretty quickly because I think it benefits a lot of them. You know, like your Ubers yep. of the world, your like. We use oh, Deliveroo yeah. here, but like DoorDash, like all these kinds Sports of companies. Stuff. Yeah. I was thinking this will be great a great third party opportunity for the Mac. Follow me here. One of the great things, and again, this is an opportunity Apple should probably participate in uh, and sync across devices. But failing that, I was thinking of something like like pushover, um, which I've complained about before, but it's the idea that Apple should probably facilitate the ability to send push notifications across all your devices from your devices, and they don't. So you have to do something like use an app like Pushover to say, oh, a thing happened on my Mac. Why don't you tell my iPhone in a push notification? Right, it's dumb. But that's. But I think I think about that for live activities too. Like what if I set a video encode on my Mac? Like wouldn't it be cool to have like a live activity on my iPhone that showed me where, the, where it was in the process of encoding? That would be awesome. Hmm. Anyway, it's just a thought. You know me, Mike. Mike, I've already always got a Mac angle. Well, I mean, you're the Mac guy, right? New new iPhone features, and I go, but what about the Mac? Well, How will that work with the Mac? How does the dynamic island affect the Mac? My column <laughs> <It> does not. <laughs> the entire column. No, it doesn't. Yep. No. No, no, Mike, you can't do it that way. Pro pro tip, you got to it's 800 words. So it's got to be like, well, many iPhone users are fascinated by the dynamic island. The Mac users are left to wonder what it means for them. Well, I have some surprising thoughts about that. And then you go on the first section wow, is like, listen to this. We're really getting the inside track on journalism today. Let me give you the background about the Mac. Oh, you know that the the island was introduced in 2022 and blah, blah. and then it's like, "Oh, let, now let's think about the notch on the MacBook Pro. Would that be a place for the dynamic island? Well, no, probably not because um it's just a big notch. Uh and uh so in conclusion, <laughs> probably not. Have you written this article yet, or are you just about to? That is the thought process that goes through my head whenever I write an article like that, a think piece article. Fortunately, when I'm, especially when it's the, you know, Macworld wants one of these every week, um, I, I think through these topics and I sometimes, right, you, you put them through the grinder of mm-hmm. like, is this going to work? Because I'm not going to write it and get 500 words in and go, oh my God, this is nothing. At least I'm not going to do that that often. It's like 40 columns a year. It can happen. But ideally what you want to do is put it through the little like virtual machine of what would this column be and what would be its bullet points and how would it work? And and with something like that, 
inane idea. You get to the end and you'd be like, no, <laughs> nope, that's not a column. The, uh, delete, not, that's not the topic. And then you find one that actually bears enough weight that you can get 800 words out of it. But the structure is the same. It's just that that would be a completely empty, pointless column and they shouldn't pay me for it, which is why I wouldn't have written it. This episode is brought to you by Doppler. In software development, secrets are private pieces of information that act as keys. These keys unlock protected resources or sensitive data. This can be very stressful to configure and to manage and to do correctly, especially when sharing secrets across different teams, across different cloud services and more. Thankfully, those days are over. Introducing Doppler, the first universal secrets platform. It enables developers to automate the pain away of managing secrets, along with the hidden files used to manage them that are known as ENV files. Doppler is your team's central source of truth for secrets and app configuration across all environments and clouds, whether they are in Docker, AWS, Vercel, or anywhere else. Doppler works where you work, and as your stack evolves, Doppler remains simple. From startups to enterprises, more than 11,000 customers, big and small, are using Doppler so they can keep their secrets and app configuration in sync across devices, environments, and team members. Say goodbye to EMV files. Set up Doppler for your team in less than four minutes. Sign up via doppler.com slash L slash upgrade. That's all one lowercase, of course. That's doppler.com slash L slash upgrade, all lowercase. Go there now. There's a link in the show notes as well. That's doppler, D-O-P-P-L-E-R dot com slash L slash upgrade. Our thanks to Doppler for their support of this show and Relay FM. We finish out today's question. Uh, uh, we finish out today's show. We've asked upgrade questions. We don't think it's finished today's question. We've asked upgrade show. Wow. You're having trouble. We better Please end fire this thing the lasers. Just fire the lasers so we can move on. Paul wants to know, Jason, do you have any updates on your experience with the Schlag enclosed encode plus door lock? Schlag, Schlag. It's totally Americanized. Schlager, Schlager is what it should be, but it's Schlag. Uh. Any updates? Well, Paul, I sent Paul sent this in on Twitter, and I sent Paul a link to my story about it on sixcolors.com. Yeah, but that's that was then. This is now. Yeah, I, right. Yeah, uh, it works. It's it's good. It's solid. Um, home key is great. There's now a new lock that's got home key that's out, and it's interesting because it's it's basically like a smart lock that hides inside a key lock. I think so that from the one outside, looks awesome. It's called like the yeah. level lock or something. Yeah. Yeah, so they've got a new model that's got that's got home key support, which is NFC. It's basically um, on your Apple Watch or your iPhone. You have a home key and wallet. You set it as your active home key, and you just tap, and it unlocks. Now, I like having the keypad on mine actually because it allows us to do things like if we have somebody staying here, house sitter, for example, we give her a code and she can enter it in. We don't have to give her a key, a spare key, but we could do that. And that level lock is is that. So you, you no one even knows it's anything but a regular lock with a with a key keyhole in it. Mm-hmm. But um it's actually this NFC lock. Um and so yeah you tap and it opens, which is that was my problem with my old lock is that you know, it's trying to use Bluetooth shenanigans and not doing a very good job of it. And it would only open some of the time for us. And now if I if I come up to the front door and I'm kind of perfecting my gesture of basically laying my Apple Watch on the on the square of the keypad and it unlocks the door. It's uh, so I'm, I'm liking it. But um, that level lock looks interesting, too. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to uh, Quinn Nelson did a YouTube like did a short did a little about video. It. Yeah. 
Um, and I just think it looks great because like this one yeah. just looks like a lock and it doesn't it look does. like a smart lock. And I think nope. that there's something nice about that particularly. Mm. Um, oh, I agree. None of these things are available in the UK yet. One day they will be, and then I'll be happy. One day. And there's, you know, there's different standards for building, which is part of the problem, right? Like our American locks are weird compared to many of the locks that are in the UK. But you could get your big um, smart home buddy to send them to you <laughs> and then just put them in your door and just yes. have an American door. Yeah, American door. Yeah, I wouldn't mind an American door. You know, like how we have American fridges? Did, I, did uh-huh. you know about this? Do you have that? Wait, what? what? So Wait, what? <laughs> any fridge that's got two doors is known here as an American fridge. Which is great because I think we call those French doors. <laughs> really? I think. I think. French doors are a thing that I know of yeah. like as doors. That's funny. Yeah. It's like French fries, you know, I guess. Right, they're from Belgium. Uh-huh. No, but like, you know, French fries. So are they freedom doors? <laughs> <laughs> in certain doors. parts of this country probably so <laughs> freedom but really doors. mike when you think about it aren't all doors freedom doors no if they're open what if it's jail locked uh, yeah it depends on what side you're on right as to whether no, a door is a door, freedom door if the door is open it's freedom to go in or out you yeah but if the door is closed you on you and locked it's no longer then a freedom it's not door. freedom anymore no yeah. that's true but that isn't that the locks problem not the doors problem the door is made to swing otherwise it's a wall <laughs> what if it's a sliding door <laughs> does that make a difference well that's why we call them sliding doors because they're different <laughs> right okay and pocket anyway, doors of course slide on the inside and you can put them in your pocket european fridges they're typically like fridge and freezer stacked on top of each other right like it's just one column because they're slim because smaller homes right so we have just slim oh, right, yeah. fridges sure but if you get a fridge that has like you open two doors left and right, you got like the freezer on the left and the fridge on the right or whatever, that is an American oh, I fridge. I see, I see. Oh, we call well, so that we call uh side by side. Okay. When the, when does French doors come into the mix then? Uh well my my refrigerator is uh French doors. And that's the um the it's actually on the the freezer's on the bottom and it slides out. Oh, I would still call but it as an refri- American fridge. Just because it has two doors. The, if it has two but doors, the refrigerators next to each other, are on the the refrigerator's yeah. on the top, and it has two mm-hmm. doors that open mm-hmm. instead of one. Yeah, the configuration is not so much of the, the for us. The reason you call it an American fridge is if it has two doors that open like side by side, no matter oh, how right. it's arranged, even if the freezer's okay. on the bottom or the freezer's right. on one side or whatever. Well, we we sort of different. I mean, French doors are are becoming more the norm here, but we sort of differentiate that versus a side like i grew up with a side by side which is it's one it's one unit and there's a long or there's a you know a tall door on the right that is the refrigerator and mm-hmm. a tall door on the left that is the freezer hmm. that's what i grew up with yeah okay and we wouldn't have i don't think we would have called that french doors we would have just called that a, a side by side all right well this is good stuff good knowledge robot or not that's the question fridge or not uh, next question comes from Tim. Jason is a firm believer in page turn buttons on e-readers, but I have never heard mm-hmm. him talk about the option to scroll with an e-reader. I tend to read e-books on iPads and find that a wonderful way to move forward. What are Jason's thoughts on scrolling with e-readers? Mm. So uh, first off, everybody should read in the way that they like. I heard from some people who said, why do you like page turn buttons? I hate them. I press them by accident. I prefer to just tap the screen. I'm glad that you feel that way and it works for you. I hate it. I hate that. 
I hate the taps. The taps aren't always accurate. And um, on the Kobo, you can actually turn the taps off because also if you want to brush like dust off your screen, it advances the page and I don't like that. And the um, the clicking of a page turn button, I can rest my thumb on the page turn button and all I have to do is is press it and press it and press mm-hmm. it. I don't move my hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know this is a minor thing, but like I don't really like the ergonomics of having to get a nice grip on the e-reader and then change the grip to turn a page by moving my finger or thumb over, um, having it cover part of the screen temporarily, touch it, hope that the page actually turns, and then move it back and and go back to my original grip. I'd much rather keep one grip the whole time. So that's basically the source of it. And I find the page turn buttons to be much more reliable. Also, some people like scrolling, um, like Tim. Scrolling on e-ink is not good. Um, so that's the first thing is these e-ink readers. I, I have that one that I tried out that's the Android e-ink reader where you run Android and I thought it would be really interesting. Um, and it was interesting, but it was kind of ultimately a failure, I think. Um, and it, they had a thing where they were using, essentially they were doing a key, like keyboard emulation kind of thing to do page turn buttons mm-hmm. because you, while you could scroll, you really wouldn't want to. Just the way the refreshing of an e-ink screen works, it's bad. On an iPad, um, I think it's interesting that Tim really loves to scroll. I don't like scrolling long documents. I I, I find it very fiddly to have to, you know, I, I, I'm constantly scrolling up and up and up. I, I really do prefer, um, and that's one of the reasons I prefer an e-ink reader is if it's a very, very long thing like a book, because I've done that on my iPhone, right? Like I'm at the doctor's office and... I don't have my e-reader with me, but I want, and I'm waiting for an unknown amount of time, I will load the e-reader app on my phone. And even there, I've tried it in scroll mode and mm-hmm. I don't, I just don't like it. Which is not to say that I don't scroll through Twitter and I don't scroll through my RSS readers and I don't scroll web pages. I do all those things, but there's, I don't know, something about knowing that this book is going on for thousands and thousands of pages. I don't, I just don't want to scroll it. I just... And above a certain amount, even even on a very long, like a magazine article on the web, I get a little uncomfortable after a while with the fact that I'm going to be scrolling this thing forever. Plus, I find scrolling distracting because I end up putting my thumb on the screen and going like scroll up, down, like wiggling it around a little bit. And that's no good. Like, mm-hmm. mm, I don't. Anyway, but everybody has their own preferred method. I, I just, that's mine. To scroll or not to scroll. Mm. Is the robot or not again? Mm-hmm. Nathan asked, should folks with smart home accessories wait until new Matter products reach the market, or should we continue buying existing HomeKit or Echo or whatever products? I'm considering some security cameras, doorbells, door locks, and maybe a thermostat. My recommendation to you, Nathan, is that if you do not need to buy any smart home product right now, don't. Just wait. Yeah. Like, wait. We are just a few weeks away from like the matter thing being officially unveiled or whatever. And I expect that we might at that point get even more details than we have now. I don't think it's a good time to buy anything smart home related unless you are confident as to whether it will or will not support matter. I think it's going to be much more beneficial for you in the sense of future compatibility to wait yes. because I, I do genuinely believe I am a I'm a matter believer right like I think it's going to be very beneficial I'm excited about it 
I think that you're best knowing that question beforehand. I agree 100%. If you can put it off, put it off because they're in the midst of a text transition. After we get through the transition, it will be clearer what things have been transitioned mm-hmm. and what the story is. There will probably be some products that fade away if they aren't gone already. They'll Everybody else will have a story about like, well, this is how it works. If you can avoid it, avoid it for now. And especially if you're going to make a big investment in a whole bunch of stuff, I would... I would hold off until we know what the details are with matter and how it how it shakes out. If you can't, I would say just shop very carefully and try to buy things but from companies that have professed a desire to provide a matter compatibility for that product, right? You can do that. It's just extra work to do it. If you can avoid it, I would say, like Mike, avoid it. Last question comes from Brance. What are the ideal objects to stick stickers on? Oh, boy. I think laptops. I do think laptops are good. And I have actually stuck a couple of stickers on my MacBook Air, which I've not done in a really long time, uh, much to my wife's upset, I'm sure, because when we sell the devices, Adina does is very good at like doing all the eBay stuff. And so she kind of like prepares the devices and all that kind of stuff and gets them ready to be sold, which when I've stuck stickers on devices also requires removing the stickers, which can be like a whole thing. And so I've stopped doing it, I, except now I have done it on my MacBook Air. Mm. The stickers that we have for the St. Jude campaign, which include these little character versions, which are officially called X-Ray Man and Mr. Yellow. One is me, mm-hmm. one is Steven. They're very good looking as laptop stickers. And uh, I have gone ahead and, and done that. Uh, I am not a big sticker person i have some stickers on the little pencil case on my desk i have some stickers on my ipod hi-fi which i used to have on my desk that's now in the corner but i can see a little upgrade sticker over there some other stickers over there i i I would say i put a lot of stickers on on when i well i don't put a lot of stickers on anything but when i put stickers on something it's something sort of non-essential that i'm not too worried about um i have a sticker on my iPad um, smart keyboard. I thought about doing more there. I had one on the previous one and there was something about putting stickers on the accessory and not the iPad that for some reason makes me feel okay, which I find it's kind of funny, but I feel okay about that. So my previous iPad keyboard, I got to be honest, one of the reasons that I, I am hesitant about stickers and I've got lots of stickers that are unstuck is I hate... When I fix a sticker on something, it means that its life is now, um, it's living its best life, but its life is now temporary. And when that uh, product goes away, the sticker's life ends. And so if I really like a sticker, I end up in this very weird situation where I'm afraid to stick the sticker because it's a really good one and I don't want to blow it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, once it's stuck, I also know that it's, you know, when that product is gone, that sticker is gone too. And that makes me sad. So... It's, uh, it's, you know, I have lots of complicated feelings about stickers. I, every now and then I find my previous um, smart keyboard, which I still have, um, or, or maybe the, the, yeah, smart keyboard before the magic keyboard came out, the smart keyboard. And it's got some stickers on it. And I see the stickers and I'm like, oh, oh, I miss them. But it's too bad. They're gone. They're, they're on the old hardware that I don't use anymore. If, I, if only I didn't care about stickers, I, if I didn't love them so much, I would use them more. I will say maybe the very, very best thing is to stick stickers on a keyboard case, but I've never really brought myself to want to put a case on my keyboard. 
Uh, on my laptop, uh, sorry, I should say, not, not keyboard, and laptop case. You know, like you can get those little cases that go on laptops, that kind of thing. Sure. So. Well, that's how I feel about the the Magic Keyboard for the iPad, right? It's like there's something about it where it's there's a different threshold there of I can, you know, I, I, I'm i not doing this on the iPad. I'm just doing this on the keyboard. And then when I when it's not in the keyboard case, it's different, right? It doesn't have those. But when mm-hmm. it is, then then there they are. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't have... I don't have a lot of bumper stickers on my car either, right? Like I'm not a big I I'm not a big sticker person. If you would like to send in a question for us to answer on a future episode of the show, just send out a tweet with the hashtag AskUpgrade and it can be included in a future episode. Or you can use question mark AskUpgrade in the Relay FM members Discord, which you get access to. If you uh, subscribe to Upgrade Plus, go to getupgradeplus.com and you will get longer ad-free versions of every episode of Upgrade uh, for either $5 a month or $50 a year. And you'll also be helping support the show. Thank you to everybody that does. I would also like to thank our sponsors of this episode, Doppler, Clean My Mac X, and Text Expander. And thank you for listening. If you want to find Jason online, go to sixcolors.com. And he is at Jasonell on Twitter. I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. And we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snell. Goodbye, Mike Hurley.